just ripped the band-aid off what do you think this is surgery this is just a podcast <laughs> right but like it's like equivalent to me like public speaking right and you know i can't talk in public i don't like it so it's similar even though it's just me and you it's not really like just me and you like I don't know how big you think this podcast is. There's only going to be like three people to listen to this. <laughs> I have faith. <laughs> no, I'm I just kidding. Faith that you're like, I, you get a decent amount of people. Yeah, I'm just messing around. It's going to be a billion people that watch this episode just because of you. Don't nobody care about me. <laughs> I am nobody special. <laughs> Everybody is special who is a guest on the Banquet Hall podcast. You have, you've reached the upper echelon of society by appearing on this podcast. Wow. You know, I feel like I should take a bow honestly i rock with it all right let me do the podcasting thing and get this thing started um i feel like sometimes i struggle with the whole like influencer intro of like make sure to like subscribe and smash that smash that like button (laughs) give the video a thumbs up uh make sure you you want to see more of this If you want to see more content like this and be a subscriber to the podcast make sure you leave a five star rating um like that is the podcast thing i'm supposed to be doing but sometimes i'm just like you know y'all gonna rate it or y'all not gonna rate it the podcast still gonna happen um but yeah y'all should for those of y'all tuning in uh especially for the new listeners of the banquet hall one follow us at banquet hall pod two smash that like button three share the profile with somebody that you like and somebody you hate we're gonna get real crafty there Five star rating, like, subscribe, share, whatever you can do that positively impacts a podcast. I'm asking all the listeners to, if you can't multitask, hit pause right now and then go do it. If you can multitask, just do it while you listen to the podcast. But and give us those ratings. Mm, multitasking. <laughs> you don't seem I like you're afraid of multitasking. It. Absolutely not. I still got it. I feel like it was one of those things that was just kind of thrown into, you know? You're I didn't ask. Exactly. I was thrown into it. <laughs> I was, listen, like one day, you know, you're living your life, you know, you, you know, you got something cooking, but like, it doesn't hit you until like you go home and it's like, like, I really don't have these nurses. Like <laughs> they just sent me home with this baby. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Y'all just say, here you go. Like <laughs> you just sent me on my way. I think that might be the most wild thing about humanity because you really just lead a hospital and now you're a parent. They didn't give you no book. They expect you to read the book, but even the books don't have everything in it. Like you, like, I feel like there's so many things I've learned about being a parent that like nobody could have told me, like nobody could have prepared me for. I feel like. Power to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I knew you was a better adult than me. Once I found out that once I got the invite to the baby shower, I was like, oh, you a, you a, you an adult. Adult. Hard T at the end. <laughs> not the hard T <laughs> at the end. Um, but let's not go too far down the recording without formally introducing you to our listeners. I am joined by the one, the only. Uh, I know her as multiple names, uh, DJ Strawberry once upon a time, uh President oh God, JD. I yeah, a red-haired Devin. That was that was a time at UCSD. So I think that it was wow. Well, you're you're ingrained in my brain as just a strawberry, like a strawberry. <laughs> Who came up with strawberry? Like it wasn't me. 
Look, man, you're dealing with black young black adults in a college environment. We it was just this sound funny. We you had red hair, strawberry. First first red thing that hey, it could be worse. What if everybody calls you like DJ Fire Truck? No, see, then listen, then everybody would be canceled, and I'd be like, I don't like none of y'all because <laughs> why would you say fire truck? Hey, fire trucks <laughs> are red too. Um, yeah, but, but but listeners. This is this is Devin. Uh, some of y'all know her as Jocelyn. I know her as Devin. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, Devin. How are you doing today? Thanks. I am fantastic. Couldn't, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Wow, that's a high bar. I need to yeah. some of what you want. <laughs> Listen, you want to know what I'm on? I'm on sleep deprivation. <laughs> So <laughs> that's not, what all this is. Not okay. sleep deprivation. Yes. Um Wow, this has been funny already. I feel like we haven't even been <laughs> intentionally trying to be funny. No, not at all. But I feel like that's how it is anytime me and you are in a space together. Absolutely. And so I think that's where I kind of want to start this episode, uh, starting it for the fifth time already. But um do you remember? how we first cross paths i feel like there is a lot of debate debate (laughs) yes because i told you that you were at that long beach conference it was for ucsd and there was a conference and you were there and portia was there and you yes and you swear you were not there but you were there there was no other reason why i would be there a conference it was something it was something for you. It was something, okay? There, and you were there. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I don't think believe that happened. You were there. But it's okay. This is where the debate comes in. But it's fine. It's fine. First time we met, though, was when you have randomly called me while I was at school. And you were like, is this Jacqueline? And <laughs> I was like, this is Jocelyn. And you're like, oh. I apologize. Do you know what Nick Taylor? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And you're like, well, yeah, well, he's coming down for overnight. And he doesn't have a ride. Like, would you be able to give him a ride? And so that was our first encounter. <laughs> that is exactly how I remember it. But hey, I, I gave it the old scouts try. I saw how your name was spelled on the paper. And I was like... I think I literally had a little conference with Portia. I was like, I think it's Jacqueline, but I'm not sure. And then she's like, is it Jacelyn? I was like, no, I don't think it's Jacelyn. I think it's, I think it's Jacqueline. Then I called and then don't you and your sister have similar names too. So you're trying to figure out if I was talking about like you or your sister or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We all, well, all three of us got very similar names, but. Look, man, I was. I was like 19 years old, just working a little part-time job, trying to get black students to UCSD. I tried, all right? And that will always be memorable for me because I think Portion just talked about it like it was just like, oh, some random chats. Like, oh, like, just call this person, this student. They go to the same high school, see if they can give each other a ride uh, just so that Nick can make it to overnight. I was like, yeah, but like, because this is young me too. So I was really like, I was like, what if that's her ex? And she like, nah, like, fuck that nigga. <laughs> oh gosh because imagine I, I call you and i'm like hey can you give your ex a ride to san diego for this yield program 
you would have heard silence. <laughs> you would have heard nothing. I'd have been like, um, I have to go to class now. <laughs> I'll see you at overnight. What interesting times. I feel like yeah. there's so many people that I'm really close with now who the, were the only reason I know y'all is because I was doing my job trying to get more black students to UCSD. You came yeah. to a high school admin program from the AV and look at us now. Homies. Right. Homies. How many years has it been? Like eight. Almost. Seven. Sheesh. Yeah, it's been yeah. seven. Dang. Time just be yeah. flying. Yeah, it does. I was saying that to Cleo the other day. Or oh, was it? It wasn't the other day. But it was a few weeks ago. And I was like, we've been friends for like seven, almost eight years. Like, that's wild. It's wild as hell, but... Hey, things happen for a reason. And that brought us to this podcast here today. Another question that I like to give context to when I have new people on the podcast is to have you talk about where you're from and what that means for you. So you are from the Antelope Valley. Is that what you claim is home? Sure. <laughs> Come on, you got to put more respect on the AV than that. You looked all around talking about shirt. <laughs> What's what's home for you then? What do you consider home? Home? Okay, home would be the AV, yes. But do I like claiming it? Absolutely not. What's, what's wrong with the AV? What is not wrong with the AV? Ask anybody from the AV that doesn't live in the AV anymore and ask them what's wrong with the AV. And everybody's going to say the same thing. <laughs> there ain't nothing to do. Everybody know everybody. Everybody mess up everybody. Every, and it's just dirt. It is. It is. It is just dirt. You got me there. It is just just dirt. dirt. It's so sad. So sad. But it. I feel like my time in Palmdale has definitely shaped me into the person that I am because, like, I had a lot of life there. Mm. What's your favorite part about Palmdale? If you had to pick something within all the dirt and the nothingness, what is your favorite part? Because there's got to be something you enjoy about Palmdale. I will say now I appreciate like going back and not necessarily going back and being in Palmdale, but like being away and then coming back to where my family is. I think that's what it is because everything else, I don't don't care. I (laughs) I don't. I, it's really sad, but like I really don't care about the AV. There's just nothing. I will say that it is the housing is is immaculate. It is Absolutely. very cheap to live there, but you know it's not cheap enough. It's it's cheap housing or like you know sanity, and you know I think. <laughs> I think it depends on the day. I think it depends on the day. Uh, yeah it's very I, yeah you're right it's very situational because i remember the front of like houses in the av or in like reno valley area and i saw them like oh y'all loaded y'all got this big ass house and shit well that's the thing that like it's, it's not really like that though because they don't pay that good mm, that's true <laughs> but it looked like that yeah it looked like it it looked like it. Some people really do got money, and that's why they live there, so they can save. But like a majority of the people just don't. But the reason why I don't like going back there is because I always see somebody I went to high school with. Like I always see somebody, and I'm like, I was not. Listen, I'm walking through this Target with. 
it's always target it's always it's target or walmart and that's why i stopped going to walmart out there because it would be everybody and their mama i'm like oh no 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 there's way too many of y'all in here (laughs) that i know and i do not want to see you it sounds really bad but it's real though but like i do like i really don't want to see y'all today or tomorrow or the next day or the next day yeah yeah so i try to avoid the stores when i go out there it really be like that and i feel like a lot of people wouldn't know for me growing up in a big city like la but i feel like it's the same thing in la too sometimes if you go to fox hills it's like you're gonna see somebody you know like by default and it's like out of the three million people in this damn city i'll run (laughs) i'll run into you out of all people out of all people out of on all this day. people why wow. are you here you know it's kind of like that exactly but since obviously there's not a lot of love for the av in your heart right now let's transition to talk about the journey to another loved place of yours uc san diego how did you end up at ucsd my parents no, I really didn't want to go there. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was not my first choice. My first choice was Davis. I was like, I want to go Your to Davis. Your first choice was, was Davis? It was my dream school since I was getting, listen, because you know, I used to live in Sacramento, right? So when Sacramento, I used to take all these field trips up to Davis and to Berkeley. And I was like, I'm not really messing with Berkeley, but like Davis, I can get down over here. Like it looks real. Like I can, I can see myself in Davis. So I was always set on Davis. And then... My parents found out how good UCSD was. And they were like, no, that's where you're going. It was a whole, it was a whole little, I was beefing with my parents for a second. Because I was like, I don't want to go there. I'd rather go to ABC, mm. which is the the community Mental college. Valley college. I, yeah, I was like, I'd rather go to ABC and take some classes and go into like dental hygiene or something like that mm. and waste all this money at UCSD. But I think before the internet started cutting out, uh, you were talking about like visiting Berkeley, visiting Davis, really seeing yourself at Davis. Uh, your family kind of got word of the rigor and the prestige, I guess, for lack of a better term, or UCSD, which is always interesting yeah. to me when people, it's like, yo, this is all the University of California. They all kind of top notch at the end of the day. Yeah. they all. It's all pretty much the same school. I would only say like UCLA is like, like you up there, up there, but everybody UCLA. else, like y- y'all, kind of like UCLA and all that. We tridents, we rep tridents on this podcast. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Listen, <laughs> as, as much as UCSD gave me a headache, I wouldn't change anything. I think that's the common thread with a lot of people that went to UCSD. It's always yeah. this like kind of positive comment where it's like yeah was it the worst time of my life and did it give me headache and trauma and depression like yeah but i wouldn't change it it's like yo oh the trauma listen oh ucsd what a time yeah as as i was thinking about how we how we first crossed paths i was thinking about like your ucsd journey your first year and whatnot i was like oh you you had a roller coaster, but we're gonna have to. That's gonna be the exclusive. People gonna have to pay to hear that story. I can't get that story for free on this podcast. Oh. Wait, which story are we talking about? There's like and, four. Yeah, at least three of them. I'm talking about oh the story gosh. that started 
what I will, I'll give a little uh, sneak preview to the listeners, but they're going to have to tap in with some exclusive content once I become a famous podcaster. Um, there was a time before you started at UCSD officially where we got food at a certain BJ's at Delamo and you were all bright eyed about uh, moving into college for the first time and picking your roommate. And I was oh. like, <laughs> I was like, hey, Dev, um, I know you just yeah. met me, but um. I would say slow, slow the brakes a little bit. Like when you think about like, oh, I want to live with this person because you you just met people and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe keep an open mind about it. And I should have listened. And listen, in hindsight, I think it was because I was so excited to have a friend. Well, friend, right? I was so excited to have a friend because like I didn't really ha- like I had a handful of friends in high school. You know what I mean? Like people really didn't care about me. I I was boring in high school. So I get to like on my way to college. I'm like, oh my God, this girl, she's so cool. Like we can, we can hang out. Like, you know, I was trying to build a friendship, like a lifelong friendship. And she was not the one. She was, she was not it. I pray she doing, I, I hope she's doing okay. I hope, I hope she, she done some growing. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, wow. Devin, we've, we've had quite a few, uh, so many stories we could tell I think about your college experience and it's just funny because I feel like I was at college with you for much longer than I was but our time at UCC technically only overlapped by a year while we were both students I know and that's just wild to think about so much so much happened in that year (laughs) once again (laughs) listeners y'all have to send some money to get the exclusive stories we we go fast forward past a few years of your UCSD experience um Listen, but I needed Jesus. It's it's <laughs> it's all good. But uh, one thing I do want to touch on at UCSD before we get to kind of the academic side of it. Um are you the first person on this podcast that I supervised? I think you might be the first person on this podcast that I was a supervisor for. What was that okay. like having your having a friend as a supervisor? I think at first, I think it was kind of, for me personally, it was kind of hard for me to like see like that, like <laughs> that boundary. Cause like, bro, I like this student done got on my nerves. Like, I'm about to go vent. Like, I need to go see Kyler like ASAP. Like, <laughs> but it's like, I also can't cause like that's my student. Like, I can't. So trying to figure out those boundaries, but also it's, it made me hold you to a higher level of respect and see you in a different type of light. I was like, wow, like, he's like a good leader like he knows what he's talking Aww. about like he he has some sense you know what i mean so it just it I, it puts you in a different light for me i appreciate that because i was talking to i think i was talking to edwin about this but it's kind of wild in retrospect that i was oh no i was talking to annika about this it's wild in retrospect that i was 20 21 years old and like leading other people like two years younger than me on a summer yeah. program for a hundred minors that's a lot of responsibility. I don't know what admissions was thinking, but I did it. They trusted you. But why? Who else would who else would have done it like you, Kyler? I was 20. <laughs> Listen, and I will say that was probably the best summer program. Hands down. That was a very memorable that experience. Year. Yeah, yeah. It was a good year. What? Those tacos. I still think about those tacos. <laughs> them tacos was fire. I... <laughs> I still think about those tacos. I've been trying to get them. 
Listen, let's go get those tacos. I'm like, oh, some way. Those tacos were life changing. And then I feel like the other life changing food item in our shared friendship is the glorious butter cake from California Pizza Kitchen. Oh, yes. I just went and had some on Saturday. I sure did. And I was like, I remember the first time I had butter cake. (laughs) Uh, Food (laughs) plays such an important role in friendships. But uh, you alluded a little bit. You alluded a little bit to like some of your passions and why you want to go to college. I think you mentioned want to be a dental hygienist. Is that what you said? Did I make that up? Yeah. So, no, you did not make that up. <laughs> I want to be a dentist, right? So I really want to be a dentist. I want to do like a bunch of stuff. Like I wanted to do like pro bono work and like overseas and provide like, you know, dental pro- procedures for like community that couldn't really afford it. I wanted to do those things. But then, you know what happened? Chemistry happened. And I was like, oh, heck no. (laughs) Oh, heck no. I don't think I want this bad enough. I don't think I want it bad enough to be able to do that. In hindsight, in retrospect, I should have kept going. I really should have. But I'm okay with not pursuing that. Because, and like, do I really... Like, do I really want to be looking at people's mouths all day? I don't think I really want to do that. <laughs> I don't think I could do that because I'm going to gag. Like, I can't imagine. imagine. <laughs> like, imagine looking at, like, the, like, the moment, like, you just open, like, somebody's mouth and it's just, like, oh, like, you know, in cartoons when you have, like, the green, like, stench, like, <laughs> just, like, imagine that hitting your nostrils, like, oh, my gosh. But on the flip side of that, Imagine you're the patient, you open your mouth and your dentist gags. You can't go back to that dentist. You can't. You can't. You can't. And that's why dental hygiene is so important, people. Brush your teeth and floss. There you Twice go. A See, day. you're still a dentist at heart. But uh, <laughs> after chemistry and you had a falling out, what, what, yeah. was the, what was the change in plan for you? What did you end up graduating from UCSD with? I had graduated with a BA in psychology, even though my high school psychology teacher told me not to do that. <laughs> he forewarned me. And I said, it's okay, because I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out, but not in the way that I expected myself to figure it out. Like, I went a completely different route. Like, I wanted to be, like, a high school counselor. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up working with kids on the autism spectrum, which I loved. It was very rewarding. I like, I built a very strong relationship with one of my parent patients' parents. And so I think that was such an important part of my life because that really, I grew a lot of patience from that job. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you, I was getting bit and kicked and hit and I was wrestling pay but I developed a lot of patience and a lot of like thick skin working with, because those, some of those kids just really don't care and they just say whatever they want to. And you just got to kind of take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I was, I was, I was being bullied. We're just going to call it what it is. We're going to call it what it was because they were just saying some things to me and I was just like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. You don't know any better, really. It's okay. So just developing that patience and that grace in that space, it was stuff with 
skills that I can carry on into any space anywhere that I go. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I think it's always beautiful when we can kind of see how jobs that could even be more difficult or more challenging, how they still fit into the overall picture of where you're trying to go in life. So that's good that you're able to look back on that and still see how that experience has impacted who you are today. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And so after graduating from UCSD, you moved back to the desert, couldn't get enough of the desert, but you chose to go to a different desert. I did not choose. We're going to cut that narrative right there. (laughs) Everybody thinks it was me. It was not me. Okay, but for the listeners who don't know you, who is Zeb? Zeb is my wonderful husband who I love oh so much. (laughs) He was like, we're going to take this food truck and we're going to go to Arizona. And I said, okay. Because, you know, I'm I'm a submissive wife and I listen and I trust him and his decisions. I really do. I really do. I, I, I have so much like faith and hope in him. And I believe in his dreams. So I was like, I'm going to go and I can figure myself out because I have no ties out here to anything. So it wasn't detrimental for me to let him take that leap of faith and go and see what he can do. And pursue his dreams and pursue his goals and accomplish the things that he wanted to do. And he did a very, very good job out there. Like, I am so proud of him. Like, he kept things afloat. He, when I was pregnant and I was just going through it, like, he was, like, the most supportive. Like, I couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else. Um, but it wasn't me who took us to Arizona. I, it was not me. Back to the point. The point is, I did not. I was very hesitant to go. And let me tell you, it was very hot. Boy, is it very hot. <laughs> very hot. And ain't no All beach year. you can just go to for no ocean breeze or nothing. It's just oh. hot. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, there's there's nothing to do out there either. Oh, my gosh. Like, I remember, like, running to my car from my apartment because it was so hot outside. Like I would have to be at work at 9 a.m. Why is it eight o'clock and it's already 102 degrees? Like you, nope. like, I need you to chill out for real. And, it, it, and was, it won't chill out. No, it won't. It's just gonna keep on going. It's gonna keep on going. And yeah, it's just, but I, I go through these phases where like, I kind of miss Arizona. And I kind of don't miss it. Like, I miss mm. it because it was very inexpensive to live out there. Let me tell you something. I had more for less. Absolutely. But people out there were very, they're different. They're they're different out there, for sure. They're we can different. leave it at it, that. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, culture shock, for sure. Culture shock, sure. weather shock, all of that. Because, listen, I've I've never been pregnant before. But I just can't imagine carrying a whole kid while it's 120 degrees outside. And you have stairs at your place. My baby shower, I was miserable. I was miserable. Do you know how many times I walked up and down those stairs? Too many. I walked up and down those stairs so much. I thought I was going to have to change my outfit. That's why I didn't get dressed to the very last minute. Because I'm like, I'm walking up and down these stairs. 
yeah, I'm gonna have pit stains and everything's going it's not gonna be cute <laughs> these pictures are not gonna be cute my forehead gonna be glistening my eyebrows gonna be melting it was <laughs> it was but, I was so hot that day and it was September yeah but you pulled it off the pictures came out nice uh, you Thanks. had some gems in there, like hug. I think there was a picture of you hugging your brother after he said some words. It was like the cutest thing ever. Oh gosh, he made me cry. That was, that was it. Was a beautiful event. Thing. It was the sweetest thing because you know who my brother is. Like he would never say nothing like that. He would never say that. And for him to say that, and not only just say it to me, but to say it where everybody heard him. Oh, boohoo. <laughs> and I was crying for a while. Oh yeah, you was booing. I mean, me and Aaliyah was in the back too. Like, dang, like my heart. Like, this is this is so <laughs> beautiful. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think you were the first friend whose baby shower I attended. I don't think I'd attended any other baby showers. I, to date, I don't think I've attended another friend's baby shower. Wow, is that because your other friends don't have kids? No, I, I got a lot of friends with kids. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I honestly think a lot of my friends probably just wouldn't invite me to their baby shower. They'll probably be like, oh, Kyle, I don't want to come to that. But it's like, no, I'm like, gonna come support my friend's baby shower. Um, one of my friends had a baby shower that got changed to virtual because of COVID. Um oh, yeah. But yeah, yours yours is the only baby shower that I've been to as an adult. So that was like a fun experience. It was also interesting because I was like, I don't know most of the people in this room, but you know. Yeah. There was a lot of, and that's the one thing about bringing people together from different spaces and different parts of your life, because everybody knows a different you. So it was trying to navigate that space without like, like exposing myself, you know, like I was trying really, really hard, really, really hard. And, it's, and I felt bad. I Thank you. I felt bad because I was like, I was trying to spend time with everybody, but like, I couldn't. Like, I, it was so hard. I was, it was the hardest thing. So I just sat there. As you should, because not to remind you, but you, you were, you were the, you're the stars, your baby shower. You're having a baby. I don't think you should be the one trying to get people to connect and play games. Like, no, we're there for you. We bought $3,000 worth of diapers for you. Yeah, that was beautiful thank you and uh thank if you. i can flex a little bit on a podcast i do have multiple texts from you saying that i got the best baby shower gift for you uh you don't have to commit to answering it because i know people are gonna listen to this but <laughs> i just i just want on wax on record that you said that i got i'll say one of the best baby shower gifts we can keep it pg one of the best baby shower gifts when i got your baby the sound machine listen that sound machine worked wonders like it was like literally like music to your ears and it wasn't even the music I would just put on the rain sounds and she would be, just knock out after just crying just crying just crying like you're just crying here here girl lay down and let me put this sound on for you and she would knock out it was the best so I appreciate it I appreciate you next baby will definitely be using that it's a gift that keeps on giving um, yes before we get to the meat of our conversation, uh, I feel like the folks have gotten a good opportunity to get to know a little bit about you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your young one. Let's talk about the star, the real star of the baby shower, who he was really there for. Like, yeah. he was cool or whatever. But yeah, 
the baby and I, who's, that's what happens when you become sleep. a parent oh my gosh nobody cares about you they're always like <laughs> let me just see the baby where's the baby it's okay what it's okay. let the listeners know what what's the baby's name zara and we're going to spend i think i want to spend the last part of the podcast after we have our conversation more about zara specifically but i just want to know kind of as a lead into our conversation what has zara taught you about yourself she has taught me that not everything is about me Mm. and that I don't control my timeline Mm. as far as when if I when I want things just because I want them doesn't mean I need to have them in that moment Mm. and I think Zara has really taught me that because there's something you might want something in this space in this moment right now and just because you don't get it right now doesn't mean that you won't get it or that it may just mean that there's something better for you ahead and that's what zara has taught me for sure for sure and she also she's she's been getting me around for my money she really do <laughs> <laughs> she's at the stage where she's saying no to everything mm. and uh yeah. I wouldn't be me if I didn't ask this question. Is she taller than you yet? Listen, listen, <laughs> no. <laughs> but she is technically she's like like half my height. Sheesh. So yeah, sad. like at her last appointment, she was 28 inches long. And I'm only 60. <laughs> that was two months ago, I think. And she has another one coming up, so I will keep you updated on her current length. But she will be half my height. You know you're short if you talk about your height in inches. <laughs> I can't even say like, listen, listen. It's the I don't want to talk it's, about it. It's just because I, I know some, somebody listening to this podcast doing the math is like sixty inches. Wait, it's like oh, she's five feet tall. <laughs> I I had to put it in perspective because I don't talk about her height. Yeah, I and feet. You know, it'd be weird to. if you said that she was two foot four. Like that's that's a little weird. Like what? Like what does that even look like? You know what I mean? Like, uh that's funny. Sixty inches. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's, it's all good though, but. Uh, as listeners know, well, I guess for the new listeners of the banquet hall, one of the reasons that. I did this podcast was because I think that we have too much of an emphasis in a society on highlighting and sharing stories of celebrities or waiting until people make it really big or become popular. There's some scandal until we get to know people. And so I wanted to create this podcast as a platform to allow people to share their stories, to share the stories that are important, important to their journeys, important to their lives, because how often do we really get the time to really just sit and talk about ourselves for a good period of time? Like, right. I feel like people think that they have to have so like a best-selling book or have to be this star athlete in order to have their stories be told. But uh, through college, college really exposed me to so many great people who have so much to share and so much to give to the world. And I feel like um, 
Uh, it doesn't sound that cocky. I'm a really good friend for people. So I feel like I get yeah. to know a lot about people's stories and people share some very tender parts of their lives with me. And I think that that was kind of the inspiration of the podcast because I know that my friends will trust me to help them share their story or be a resource to them. So I got a text from you a few months ago asking about like wanting to share stories about your like pregnancy journeys and like what motherhood has taught you. And you're wondering yeah. if you should do YouTube, if you should do a podcast. And I said that either one will really give you opportunity to share your platform. And for whatever reason, I just, as I was picking out guests for this season of Banquet Hall, I was like, I wonder if Devin will come on a podcast and like give her story a start here. Cause I know you had talked about it, but yeah. didn't really like have the platform built yet. So I was just threw it out there. I was like, Hey, like, got this podcast you want to share your stories and you said yes which i'm very appreciative of um so yeah i just wanted to kind of start that dialogue here and just give you an opportunity to talk about like what about your journeys with pregnancy with the journey to become a mother what about that story do you want to share more about people or what do you just starting the conversation you're like what's on your mind when it comes to like your motherhood journey when i think about becoming a mom I think about how it's something that some, you know, people, like the process of making a baby and being able to create a baby and hold a baby. I think it's something that some people may take for granted because not everybody has that luxury to do that if they want to. Mm. Um, and, you know, in high school, there's so much more to having a baby than what they teach you they teach you you have sex you get pregnant you have a baby mm -hmm. right but that's not the story for everybody and that wasn't the story for me and so I think a big part of me wants to share that part about how it's not always glitter and rainbows and unicorns when it comes to being pregnant and trying to start a family. There's can be hardships. There can be a lot of struggles. There can be a loss of identity. There's so many things that can tip and tumble. And I don't think it's talked about enough. And the topic of miscarriages in itself is such a taboo topic. Mm -hmm. like nobody wants to talk about it like nobody like the amount of research I was doing and not coming across anybody that had the same circumstances as me being young being um, having had as many as I had being able to physically get pregnant but not being able to carry the babies is it was just you it was so hard to find that community and still to this day like I still can't find it really and so I think I just want people to who do go through this to feel comfortable about talking about it because there are people out there who could really use your help and can really use your guidance and your wisdom to help them get through what they're going through. Like I would have loved to have some type of support, some type of um, community who 
truly, truly understood what I was going through to help me get through it. And it was just kind of something that I had to just kind of navigate on my own. And so I don't, my goal is to share my story in hopes that it brings comfort and support and hope and faith to somebody else. No, absolutely. And I love that you started with kind of the miseducation around, I mean, there's miseducation about sex, there's miseducation about gender, sexuality, as sexual experiences, all of that. But I think specifically with becoming a parent, and we talked about a little bit to begin the podcast too, just about how they just expect you to go read a book or you just get sent home with this human being. And I think that when we look at sex, it's just, oh, sperm cracks an egg and then there's a baby in your belly and then the baby's born eventually. Like, I think that it's an irresponsible way to educate people on the realities of just that whole birthing experience and uh, what people are able to go through with that. And I'll be very honest, like, of course, I'm a factor or I'm a product of the education system in America, too. So growing up, same ideology, like, oh, well, she gets pregnant, she has a kid. Yeah, cool. We good. I think that there's conversations where people are brought up miscarriages. And like you said, like, it's a very taboo topic. It's like, ooh, like, I don't want to touch that conversation. But yeah, like you said, at what point do people who go through this really human experience, where do they find community? Where do they, where do they find care? Where do they find comfort? And so I guess my next question to you would just be, as you were learning how to navigate, as you were doing your research, uh, what was out there that you found in your research that you feel you wish you would have known ahead of time or that was enlightening for you as you were going through those processes? The amount of like, like how intricate and how detailed just the the process of conception is. Mm. Like, again, you're taught that you have sex you get pregnant, right? You're taught that you have sex one time and you get pregnant, which that is very, very true. It definitely can happen. But I feel like, like you said, it's irresponsible to make it seem like it's so so cookie cutter that way. And it's not. So just learning about the process and learning about ovulation. I didn't know about ovulation I have a uterus and I didn't know what ovulation was until I started really doing research. Like, oh, like that's what's going on. That's what's happening. And oh, like it's not an all month thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. only, you know, a certain part of the month and navigating that and trying to educate myself on that because there was a point before I was even getting pregnant. There was a year me and Zeb were trying to get pregnant and I wasn't getting pregnant like at all. And that's when I started doing a lot of like trying to figure out like, okay, like what's going on with my body? Like, what Mm -hmm. is it not doing? What is it doing? And so I just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just so much information out there that like, that's another thing is being able to share that so that Mm -hmm. people don't have like that misconception or that misunderstanding of what's really going on. Because once you find out, you're like, Like, I've been, like, lied to. Like, I've been told this one thing, and that's not what's happening for me. And I remember feeling so, like, disappointed because it was, like, I was told 
that like you have sex and you get a baby so why mm-hmm. am I having sex and not having a baby you know what I mean and so it was just a lot of that going on so it's just it just blows my mind and I remember I was just doing like hours and hours and hours of research and there came a point in time where I was able to self-diagnose myself and what I self-diagnosed myself ended up actually being something that I had. Mm. And that was because my doctors at the time, they weren't taking me serious. Like after I had my first miscarriage, they, my first doctor, I remember she told me straight up, like, it's just bad luck straight up like it's just bad luck your next one yeah the next time you get pregnant yeah you're gonna have your baby it's just bad luck right okay cool whatever she's like most women have you know most people have miscarriages and they don't even know okay cool that's fine and so I go and try to have another baby I get pregnant I miscarry again. So now it's like, okay, now you're, (laughs) you lied to me. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you lied to me. And then again, it's common for women to have more than one miscarriage. You know, it's common for that to happen. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, it's just, she gave me like the statistics and it was like one in four don't even know that they're having it. And one in four, something like that, one in three have more than one. And I was like, I get what you're saying, but I'm young. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like, there's, there's something wrong because I'm young. Like there's, and so my third miscarriage, um, I think that's, that was when I was in Arizona. I was in Arizona for that one. And that one hit hard because that one had a heartbeat. Mm. and it was I had just went to the doctor and um, I saw the heartbeat and baby was moving and I was told everything was fine and um, I had already had a scare with that baby like I already thought I was losing that baby Um, and I remember going to the appointment and just feeling so thrilled because my the first two miscarriages they were happening like as like I found out I was pregnant like I got the positive present pregnancy test and then like maybe like a few days later I would start miscarrying so I'd never gotten this far so I finally got this far and I was nine weeks I was nine weeks and I called Zeb and I was like baby's fine like you know everything's fine two weeks later uh, I thought I had an infection Uh so I was like let me just go make sure like you know everything's fine like I don't have an infection everything's good Um, and so and I remember that morning I like I wasn't I didn't feel pregnant like I just I just felt like myself again because when you carry a baby like from the moment that baby implants like your whole world is upside down Mm -hmm. and so I remember waking up and just feeling like myself and feeling like 
very uppity and you know I was getting ready for work and I was like you know no I need to go and I need to make sure that like baby's okay I get to the doctor and um he pulls in he pulls up the ultrasound and baby looked the exact same same size in the same spot and I knew like instantly like like the way my heart dropped it's like it's I was so like confused because I had just saw the baby and the baby was fine and so he wasn't trying to tell me like I was like asking him like the baby doesn't have a heartbeat does it and he wasn't trying to tell me it's like just tell me because I see it like I see that there's no heart flicker like I see it and um he ended up telling me that like baby stopped growing at nine weeks. And so then it hit me that I've been walking around thinking mm-hmm. I'm pregnant and I wasn't pregnant. Technically I was pregnant, but my baby wasn't alive for these last two weeks. And the thing that blows my mind is that literally it was either the day of my appointment or the day after my appointment that the baby's heart stopped beating. And I remember just feeling like a failure. Like I remember like profusely like apologizing to Zeb. Like, I'm sorry, I can't give you the family that Mm. you want. Like, I'm sorry, I can't give you the kid. Like I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. I remember feeling like a failure, like as a woman, like my body's not doing what it was designed to do. And so just, feeling just all of those emotions and not having anybody to turn to because nobody in my family, like I don't know anybody who has had miscarriages. And so just trying to figure that out on my own and Zeb was so supportive and he, but there was only so much he could do. Like he would he would keep telling me like if I could take the like the pain away from you like I would take it from you and I remember being up all hours for the of the night like just in pain like it was the worst pain of my life like the worst and I remember being scared to go to the bathroom because I didn't want to see blood I remember like not being able to eat. I remember I was like in my room for two weeks, like just not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when, or yeah, that's when we we were in Arizona. And then I remember like, okay, we're going to take a break and everything's going to be fine. And then I fell pregnant again, November. Then I miscarried. And then December, and I miscarried. I'm very fertile, so we—that's not the issue. The issue was just staying pregnant. And so I remember my doctors—they weren't listening to me, and I was like, "Something else is wrong." And they were like, "No, like you're fine. Like you're just like it's you're it, you're fine, pretty much." And I remember I had this one doctor. He was the best because I was. I remember I went 
and I was Googling and I was like, hey, you know, I might have this gene mutation. Like I might have this thing that cause, that can cause like recurrent pregnancy losses. And I remember he did the testing and um, he had gave me like a bunch of medicine. So he gave me like um, low dose aspirin, which is supposed to stop like, which is supposed to essentially thin the blood because mm-hmm. one theory was maybe um, that I wasn't able to circulate enough blood between myself and the baby. So obviously the body got to keep one. And then um, he provided me with, I had progesterone and then I had to take like a bunch of other stuff. And then um, what I ended up telling him to test me for, I ended up having, mm. um, and it's called an MTHFR. That's like the acronym gene mutation. And there's so many different kinds of them. And each one has, does like its own thing. Um, and so I remember him telling me like, you know, this could be your issue. And then I took all the medicine and then that's how I had Zara and um yeah and so then this last july i was pregnant again this th- yeah right before i started working at the preschool i got pregnant and i had my medicine or i didn't have my medicine i was trying to get my medicine and then it was too late and then i miscarried and i felt got pregnant again in august and i had my medicine i was taking my medicine but it didn't work and so then I remember going to go see an infertility specialist and her telling me complete something different that like my the gene mutation, mutation isn't affecting. Mm. And so now it's like, now I'm back at square one, you know? Um, but between the first three miscarriages and Zara, I learned that I need to be patient because while me and Zeb wanted those three babies, we were not set up to have those three babies. Like we were in no space to have those babies. Um, the first two we were living, uh, or the, yeah, the first two we were living in a one bedroom apartment, 650 square foot. Like that is a box. Like there is a no space for a child there. We had no business trying to have a baby. And so and I just, it just blows my mind just looking back at it, like how much just, it wasn't time. And I just, God was telling me like, it's not time. Like, it's not time. Like mm. you, like you need to wait, like you need to wait, like wait, wait, like you can get pregnant, like chill out. Like you can get pregnant, like chill out. It's not time. And so I think with Zara, Zara was the one who like okay this is what I've been giving you so I strongly feel and believe that Zara is going to be such a big influence in some space on this earth like Mm -hmm. she's going to do something so big because she was the only one that made it and so um yeah that's kind of my story in a nutshell kind of not in a nutshell it's kind of detailed it was a detailed nutshell because there was so much more. <laughs> um, thank you for the detailed nutshell. I think that uh, one, I think it just shows your character as a mom, as a person that you're able to share your story in such a vulnerable way. And I've seen you do this on Twitter. I've seen you do it with friends and just to get on this podcast and be able to share that story in such a detailed, 
very caring and loving way, I would also say, like, I think that it shows a lot of introspection about your journey and uh, just how active a role you played in that journey too. just trying to understand more about you to understand more about your journey to become a mom. So one, just want to thank you for sharing that. And I had a couple of things I wanted you to expand upon to your comfort, of course, but one, I think that one thing that I've learned a lot about over the last several years since coming to college and just learning more about uh, motherhood, learning more about pregnancy, women's bodies, et cetera, et cetera, is that there is a lot of medical malpractice and a lot of not listening when it comes to Black women and doctors. Yeah. And I think yeah. at various points in your story, I think you kind of alluded to uh, the doctors just not listening to you, not hearing you out about what you know to be true about your body. So I just wanted to give you a couple moments to talk about like just that experience with doctors. Because even heard you say like the doctor that was a good doctor and heard you about the gene mutation and just really paying attention to more than just trying to give you an answer, more than just saying like, oh, it's just bad luck or oh, yeah. this happens. I think that when it comes to medicine, it's important that it's human centered. So can you talk a little bit about uh, just in general, what you've learned about your experience as a Black woman dealing with doctors in this way? I feel like you have to go in as a Black woman. Like, you need to go in and be like, hey, like, this is what I need and stand firm in that. Because if you're not firm in that, if you're not comfortable in your stance, if you're not confident in what you're saying they will take that 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 self-doubt and they will take that insecurity and they will run with it and that is what I learned because I was at the very beginning I was like okay they're the doctors you know they want and I was very like you know shy you know very submissive to them like okay because they know what they're talking about but it comes to a point to where like enough is enough and you have to and you know me I'm a shy person but it came to a point to where it was like I if I don't speak up for myself, I'm going to keep losing these babies. And um, with Zara, I had an amazing, amazing, my doctor throughout my entire pregnancy, her name was Dr. Potterworth. And oh my gosh, bless that woman because she went above and beyond for me, but because I knew what I needed and what I wanted. Mm. And I was done letting them tell me what I needed and telling me what they wanted to do for me. And um, she would like get me extra, you know, she would make sure that I was able to get my checkups and I, I was able to, you know, be um, reassured that Zara was okay and that she was growing fine and that, you know, her heart um, was, she was just alive and well. Um, unfortunately she wasn't the doctor that delivered me mm -hmm. oh my goodness I have 10% left I will have to look at my charger <laughs> um, but she wasn't the doctor who delivered me and Zara's birth story is a whole another testament to advocating for yourself because Zara was very close to being a stillborn Mm. very close very very close um she ended up having they call them d cells so it's pretty much whenever you have a contraction or braxton hick so braxton hick is kind of like the test runs of contraction so they're not real test run or not real contractions they're kind of getting your body like familiar familiar with 
what a contraction is, what it may feel like. And so whenever I would have either a Braxton Hick or a contraction, Zara's heart rate would drop. And we didn't find that out until um, one of the doctors had overreacted. And I say overreacted because in the moment I'm like, girl, like you is being so extra. I do not need to go to the hospital. But she sent me not for that. She sent me for the ho- to the hospital because I was one centimeter dilated. And mm. anybody who's had a baby knows that one centimeters is nothing. Like you can sit at one centimeters for like ever. Like you can sit at one centimeter for like months and not progress at all. So she sent me there. And when you go to the hospital, you go into something called triage. So, you know, like when you go to like emergency department, you know, like you don't go straight into a room. Yeah. So it's the same thing when you're pregnant. But in pregnancy triage rooms, they hook you up to like these monitors. So they have two monitors. They have one to like monitor the contraction and they have one to like monitor the baby. And um, they picked up that they had Zara was having these D cells. And so I was spent the whole weekend in the hospital and I was telling them like, I need to get induced. Like she needs to get out because she's telling me that she's not comfortable in there, that she's stressing out in there. Like she Mm. needs to come out. And the doctor was like, no, we want to get you as close to 37 weeks as possible because we want you to be full term and we don't want her to spend time in the NICU. And at that point I was like, I don't care. At least she's out. At least she's breathing. At least she's alive. That's what matters. I did not end up getting induced because she did not listen to me. And so I remember it being the most stressful week of my life, wondering if my child is still alive. I was not sleeping because I was scared that if I had a contraction overnight, that that was it. So I was constantly like poking my belly, like keeping, like making sure that Zara was moving. And I know she was tired of me. I know she was. That's probably why she don't like being touched now. Um, (laughs) But... Um, when you get to the end of your pregnancy, once you hit 36 weeks, you end up having a appointment every week. Mm-hmm. So I had an appointment at 36 weeks, which is when she sent me to the hospital. Then I went home and then at 37 weeks, I had another appointment and she was still deselling. And um, so I went to the hospital again and they ended up admitting me because they were like, um, it was the doctor who prescribed me with all the medicines. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? He was the only one that asked me, well, what do you want to do? What are you comfortable with doing? And I was like, we got to get her out. We got to get her out. And um, he was like, okay, like, we'll, we'll start like the inducing paperwork in the morning. We'll get you going in the morning. We'll get you in a room, all that stuff. Um, and so I remember I was sleeping. I was asleep. Zeb was asleep. And while you're in this bed, you still have to have these monitors on you. And it's very uncomfortable. So I was sleeping. And I remember like two, three nurses rushed in and was like, flip over, flip over, flip over. You guys, and like they're just flipping me like this, like back and forth, back and forth. And it's because Zara's heart rate dropped so low that they could mm-hmm. not detect it. Like her heart practically stopped. And I remember, like, they were so focused on figuring out, like, what was going on. I remember asking, like, what is happening? What is happening? And nobody was saying anything. And um, a doctor had rushed in. And at this point, Zeb's awake. I'm awake. I'm crying because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I know something bad is happening. Um, And, oh, my gosh. Like, I remember just, like, praying, praying, praying. And then 
I hear like just the faintest like heartbeat, like mm. like do, do. It was very, very slow, very, very slow. And it was I had the biggest contraction. And so doctor was like, yeah, no. She, Zara gotta come out. Like she has to come out now. And so they started the inducing process and um that took like I'm gonna say like 20 hours, 19 hours. And yeah. So if I if it if it was had it been a different doctor there, my daughter would not have made it because I don't have those monitors at home to monitor my child. And so Zara would not have made it. And so it just is so important. Like I just want doctors to listen. Like I just want I just want them to listen. I remember I saw this article article. Someone had reposted it on Twitter and it was saying how like people who were in PhD programs were upset that they were taking courses like tailored towards communication mm. and having human like human connections and being right. like, empathetic. Like you're upset that you have to take a class how to communicate with somebody. You're a doctor. Like they were upset that they those classes they weren't taking classes right off the bat based on whatever they were trying to study, and I'm like, these people are who your doctors are. Like these are all doc- doctors, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them have felt that way. And yeah. these are the those are the doctors that are caring for us, and it was just so mind blowing. Like you don't even care to help me as a person. You're just worried about a paycheck at this point. Mm. Like you just see me as a dollar sign, and you know because you're just gonna tell me I need this and prescribe me this, and it was just the it's like it put in such a perspective, like just like the medical like industry, like it put in such, and not everyone, not every doctor is like this. I there are amazing doctors. I've had amazing doctors, but the ones that aren't they can literally change your perspective Mm -hmm. of the medical field. It only takes that one. And I'm just like, why can't y'all all all just be nice? Just be nice and listen. Part of your job is to listen. You can't even do that. So now you're not doing your job right. And so that's one of the major things about this whole thing is just advocating for yourself. And knowing what you need and what you want and what you, what you're expecting, what your expectations are going into that doctor's appointment, going into that surgery. What are you expecting? Don't worry about what they're, because yes, they may have a degree, but they don't know everything. They don't know your body. They don't know how you feel on a normal day. They don't know your emotions on a normal day. They don't know, they don't know you. They don't know you know you. And so they try to give this cookie cutter approach to every patient. They think that every patient's situation is similar and it's different and it's not. And I'm just like, if you take the time to listen and you take the time to hear them out, you'll see like, oh, this heart shaped cookie cutter doesn't quite fit. They might Mm -hmm. need a longer heart. They might need, it might be a star. But you hear two key words and you're like, mm. oh, yeah, I know what this is. You're not listening. Yeah. 
I love the way that you just phrased all of that because I think it really it just nails the point of why empathetic care is important in medicine and why, like you said, those communication classes are important because no matter what your textbook said when you were studying in Geisel Library at three o'clock in the morning about this specific disease, like you have to hear people out. And I think like I want to emphasize before I say I'll say that there are a lot of amazing doctors out there who put in long hours are those empathetic people in the world. There are also people, like you said, who are just in it for a paycheck or they were really focused on the medicine part of it, the doctoring part of it, just trying to get to med school. And I I get it. Like, I think anybody who goes to college understands the grind that college is. But I yeah. think it's important for any field that deals with people that you remember. The, it goes back to human-centered design and remembering the people at the center of the work that you're doing. So I think that there's going to be multiple people who listen to this podcast who just, if anything, they just feel that agency to take control over their own health care and be able to be an advocate for themselves. And I think that that's the importance of you sharing your story is for other people as they're doing research, like someone could just look up this podcast and hear what you have to say and feel heard and feel seen. So I think that's really important yeah. that you just share that. Yeah, that's one of the main things is don't let these doctors don't don't let them don't don't let them don't stand firm stand firm because if i would have known that at the beginning Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have had seven miscarriages but it's like i went through this so that i can help others and that's how i look at it like god put me on this path and he wrote my story this way so that i can be an aid and assistance to others and that's why i wanted to make a podcast but I was like, I don't know if I have enough meat. Like, I don't know if I have enough, like, oomph in this story to make a whole series. But if I, if someone just listens to this podcast and they, and it changes their life and it changes their perspective, I will feel so whole. And I would love for whoever it is, like, if they, I want to know. Like, I want to know, like, hey, like, hey, Dev, like, your story, like, really, like, like, I, like, I resonate with what you're saying. You know what I mean? It would be, it would be great. And I have a bunch of things that I want to eventually do. Like, I want to some, at some point in my life, be able to uh, provide, like, donate funds for, um, like people who are having infertility issues to go get testing done, like be it because it's expensive. Right. It's very expensive, but I want to be able to start something, some type of foundation, some type of something to where I'm able to assist people to get that testing done. And that's another thing. Why doesn't health insurance cover infertility? Why is that not a thing? Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You want me to pay $15,000 just for you to take an egg out? You're just taking the egg out. You didn't even, it's not even fertilized. You didn't even run a genetic analysis on it. You're just taking the egg out. That's, That's what needs to change, honestly. They need to start covering infertility because that is... 
again, cookie cutter. Oh, yeah. people don't have it's 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 not that big of a deal. No, it's a huge deal. And that's exactly what just came to mind too. It's just when you go back to conversations like this being more taboo topics, that's how stuff like this doesn't end up on a ballot, or that's how people lack access to this type of healthcare because we treat it like it's this misnomer, like it's this oh, like miscarriages is this random thing that yeah. just only happens to the unluckiest of people. Whereas we're having people share their stories and really emphasizing the human part of this entire experience. So I can't iterate enough how important your story is and similar stories. I just hope that uh, through this podcast, through eventual content that you create, because I think there's a lot that you could share about your story. I mean, we've been talking for over an hour and like, I still have multiple questions about (laughs) Uh, this whole thing so I still encourage you to be able to get out there and share your content and continue to push your story forward because you never know how much of an impact you can make just someone clicking through YouTube searching for answers to some of the questions that they have uh, before yeah. I get to the last couple of things I want to talk about I want to do a quick phone battery check because I know you said that you were at <laughs> less than 10 percent do we have to do a setting change we should probably do a setting change Yes, we could do one last setting change and I'll make sure you get out of here. Uh, This would be setting change number three. But before we do the setting change, I just need the listeners to know that before we started this podcast, I asked what your phone battery percentage was at. You said 43. I said I didn't think that was enough. And I just want to say one of us does podcasts and one of us doesn't. Listen, listen, I honestly, it's a good thing that the podcast is lasting as long as it is. But I didn't think it was going to last this long. So I had faith that like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, this is a, this is enough juice to give me. But no, it's not. So now we have to do a setting change. But it's okay. It keeps, keeps things fresh. You know what I mean? It's okay. 